0: Lead wisco good to have you guys uh we are here again ryan and i and uh man it's been fun doing these and so we're gonna dive in with a special guest a friend of mine uh a longtime friend of mine and yeah i can't wait for you to meet him and it'll be fun
1: yeah i know our guest i just don't know our guest yeah i actually go. worked in the same spheres
0: good good well without further ado i'm going to introduce him but uh we'll, i'll just tell you a little bit about him Spent 42 years uh, in, or 42 seasons in the NFL, which could be equated to probably years. Uh, the last 26 here in Green Bay, part of the NFL uh, Physician Society for Outstanding NFL Athletic Trainer in 2012. He won this award. Uh, he was with the Jets. Uh, gosh, there's a lot of his story coming from New York. Uh, went to Purdue University. Um, and then school at Northwestern, so we're going to hear a little bit about that. But he's a good friend. He's a dad. He's a husband. Uh, Hopefully one day he could be a grandpa. We'll see uh, if he's good enough. But uh, ladies and gentlemen at Lead Wisco, Pepper Burris. Pepper, welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Troy. Thanks for uh, having me with Lead Wisco. And uh,
2: not my place to correct, but I am a grandpa by... Our two-year-old Ren out in California, but we will be a two-time. overseas. Oh, that's over right.
0: Soon. That's right. Yeah. So I keep uh, thinking of your other your daughter. So yeah. she's not married yet, but yes, yeah. you already yeah. are grandpa. Yeah. I'm
2: a little little disgusted with COVID because COVID's kept us away from our
0: granddaughter. That's but right. We're gonna. That's right. We'll solve that soon. Well, we go way back, but uh, I want to just hear a little bit about uh, kind of your life. So you became uh, an NFL trainer. I know a little bit of that story, but our our listeners probably don't. So tell us a little bit about, you had some specific things that happened in your life that kind of pointed you to this craft that you do, and then we'll divide kind of into leadership and faith. But tell us about how you got there.
2: i going to go with fast snippets here. Okay. All the way, I probably would have been on some type of medication as a kid because I was hyperactive, involved in everything, <laughs> even all the way back to – elementary school Mm. and uh, literally my sixth grade teacher said I couldn't sit still and during quiet time or whatever sent me down to the high school or the junior high school shop and met some influential people influential people there that sixth grade teacher became the seventh grade basketball coach and he said he would not become the coach unless I was his manager (laughs) now that was probably just a line right but Lo and behold, I became his manager, and I had no idea what managers did. You took the basketballs out. You ran the scoreboard. But I was intrigued by the first aid kit that had tools and shoelaces and whistles in it. Decided to uh, learn more about it. Went to the local firehouse and took the first aid course. On to high school. Still became a manager of basketball, football. There's no future to that. You're not right, going right. to be a professional manager. And... uh My basketball coach dropped a brochure on the desk in the phys ed office about uh, a trainer's camp. We prefer to be called athletic trainers now because there's so many different trainers. And I went to a camp, much like a wrestling, football, basketball camp. And I said, hmm, there's a future to this. Hmm. Quickly, one of our athletes, the really only division one football player out of our little high school, went to Boston College. Went out there, and he said, you really should come out and meet our athletic trainer. He's the youngest Division One athletic trainer in the country. Mm. Hmm. Went out and met Bob Reese at Boston College. I said, I want to come out here and be an athletic trainer. He said, that's fine, but I can't make you an athletic trainer. I was downtrodden. Mm. Why? Wow. He said, we have no program. We can't get you nationally certified. Wow. Oh, wow. Where do I go? I said, go where I went. I said, where's that? And he said, Purdue. And I said, where's that? And he kind of pointed <laughs> like that way. <laughs> Purdue met the legendary late uh, William Pinky Newell, who was the executive secretary of the National Athletic Trainers Association. Every desk, every job in the country came across his desk. Wow. I said, hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I was read the list of people that were Purdue grads, head trainer, of course, at Boston College, Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys, Notre Dame, Indiana. Purdue, on and on. I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something there. Off I went to Purdue, had no intention of going to physical therapy school until they told me I was going. I said, where? And they said, anywhere you could get into on a physical therapy school. But in that time of that matriculation to Purdue and Northwestern, right. this Bob Reese went to the Buffalo Bills and, to my surprise, became the head athletic trainer of the New York Jets. Ah. Uh. He was looking for someone to come on and join him as an assistant, called out to Pinky. He said, Burris is coming out of school soon, called me at Northwestern. Next thing I know, I'm with my grown-up favorite football team in the world. Wow. I'm from New York, New York. But the crazy thing is I had accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior that year at Northwestern. Oh, wow. Wow. And... I was praying that God would make it real clear to me where he wanted me to work. And getting a cold call at Lake Forest Hospital in Chicago when I'm doing an internship from the New York Jets, that was about as clear as it could get. That's a God call.
1: Was Ron Wolf there, the former Packer GM in New York, when you were there?
2: Not when I got there. I got there in 1977. Oh, wow. Ron didn't come there until 90 or 91.
1: I was born— Troy, we won't go there. But
2: Uh, Ron Wolf came there for a short, very short stint with me. Okay, and then left to come to Green Bay. Got it. And there's the next chapter of the story for another time. So
0: let me let me dial dial in. You kind of went over it really quickly, but how did you come to faith? So what? Somehow God was made more aware to you, and I don't know if that was new. Because is that in your family story at yeah, all? Uh,
2: family story is pretty easy. We went to the Presbyterian Church in Wappingers Falls, New York. I was a man of faith. I never doubted there wasn't a God, right. but He was kind of a Sunday God. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew about God. I didn't know God.
0: And it therapy. So wait, therapy you just school, said Sunday God? And then you ended up working for an organization that has a Sunday God. <laughs> That's so interesting. I just made that connection. I think that was a really uh, I like it. I anyway, like it. kind of funny.
2: But we uh, I had lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. But at Northwestern there was a group of students and and this line has been heard so many times before that had something about them. Yeah. We had a high proportion of Wheaton grads in our physical therapy school, and these two particular gentlemen, Russ and Russ and Don, would have lunch. i joined them. There weren't many guys in our class. It was a female predominated profession and, and class at that time. Have lunch with them. And I think it was Jimmy Carter on the cover of Newsweek magazine or something like that. One of the magazines. Mm. wasn't time. And the title of it was Born Again. And I said, hey, what's that mean? Mm. And I get almost hear the fishing line reel out (laughs) and they lovingly reeled me in slowly yeah because if they brought me and hit me with a club yeah or speared me like a like a sturgeon i'd run wow but um that was it and uh, i don't remember the date sometime in the spring of 77 i knelt next to my bed in the east gate hotel which was an overflowed housing for northwestern and Said, God, I don't know what I'm getting involved in here, but when I do something, I don't like to go back on it. So let's mm-hmm. go for it. So good. 44,
1: 44 years since then.
2: Give or take? Yeah. And um,
1: I bet you've seen a lot in your faith yeah. journey.
2: Yeah. That sounds like one of those commercials on TV. We've seen a lot. We cover a lot. It's not yeah. an insurance company. Yeah, or yeah, something.
1: yeah. Yeah, no, I know. But that would you say that's been the driving linchpin? I mean, and I say you've seen a lot. You've seen probably a lot of good, bad. You've seen transition. You've dealt with world class athletes. You've seen a lot. How has that faith been your true north?
2: Uh, It's just that, first of all, if you put it all into perspective, I have had two different NFL jobs 42 years, 42 seasons in the NFL. I've never applied for either one of them. Wow. I don't have a resume, I don't have a CV. And I've had two career jobs. Now people say, "Oh, lucky charm" or whatever. I say, "No, I, I just... And I say, no, I've been blessed. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's good. It's nuts.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's really good. Well, and so faith has been a driver, but also let's talk about leadership. How do you? What would you define leadership as, Pepper? If I had to say, define leadership for me, what is it? Someone that has it. It has quotes around
2: it, has it. Someone that you want to follow, you choose to follow. In um, the characteristics, in a little bit of preparation, knowing you were going to ask me to talk about this, there's, I think, an infinite number of books and words to describe leadership. Right. But leadership to me is is about trust that I, I don't believe that, people are born leaders. I think we're made leaders, and we're made leaders by the people that we emulate. Mm. And to me, a leader is someone that I want to emulate, I want to follow. And is that because of honesty, integrity, empathy, the words go on and on and on. Right. But um, and I don't like to give my following to leadership, because it's demanded. I like it to be earned. Yeah. And if you can look at someone that earns your respect to be a leader, you, you follow them through fire. And uh, I've seen good leaders and bad leaders, quiet leaders, silent leaders, uh, vocal leaders, football players, coaches, um, yeah. and some people that don't even realize they're leaders because they've influenced your life. And those two words are synonymous, leadership yeah. and influence.
0: So, I mean, and Ryan, you're we're kind of tapping into this whole faith is driven that. But um, apart from, obviously, faith, uh, let me say the scriptures, Jesus himself, because we could easily say, well, that's driven my leadership most. Who's influenced leadership that's outside of that circle? Who has really influenced your life as being a great leader?
2: Well, some of them would just be names that you would throw out. But uh, early on in my career, I haven't been a new Christian, still a babe in Christianity and still don't know enough to.
0: We're still praying for
2: you. There you go. I like that. And I can use them all, (laughs) bring them. Um, When I had joined the Jets, uh, I had been with a Bible study at Northwestern. And I asked the equipment manager is, do we have a fca fca guy fellowship of christian athletes and he pointed to a fella that was walking through a ball-headed guy he liked your hairstyle yeah the late dave the late dave swanson and i walked up to him kind of pulled on a side of his coat and said are you with the fca And he said no now you talk about downtrodden i was like what did i just say and he smiled he said no i'm with youth for christ and i said, "Oh," and. A bond was built. He was our, he set up all of the chapels for New York Jets. I became his contact person because it was hard to call players and on and on. But he was an influential leader. He was a successful businessman. His family owned and sold Thomas's English Muffins. Oh, wow. Yeah. The the Swansons owned that company. But uh, Dave would come and stay at our house every now and then because he would be going out onto Long Island. He lived in New Jersey and mm-hmm. influential leader. And, um, what was, was the
0: it? What was the it? Cause you said it, he had something about him.
2: Presence, presence. He, he exuded integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have a sharp tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew what to say, when to say, and I didn't know that was a spirit life in him. Yeah. But, uh, charitable, giving, empathetic, on and on. But uh, Dave, I'll I'll tell you a quick Dave story. My uh, wife was in love with a Volkswagen Beetle, convertible Volkswagen Beetle, and the fellow wanted $4,000 for it. And I was like, oh, that's too much money. And I asked Dave, Dave, should I spend this money? And now, this is a 1976 Volkswagen Beetle. Mm-hmm. And he said, What's he want for it? He said, $4,000. He said, What would make you happy? I said, Like, you know, 3500 would be good. Without even flinching, he said, Is your wife's happiness worth $500? And I said, Oh, <laughs> you're killing me. Mm. I paid the $4,000, had a happy wife restored it sold it it still runs today i know who has it down in florida but that's just one of life's lessons when you say is it worth this is it and you say absolutely you know but it was just like you know you're killing
1: me Mm -hmm. Mm. and in your profession correct me if i'm wrong but being coachable and teachable and i guess that applies to all of us but especially with the way, the dynamics of the NFL landscape, would you say, Dave, learning that, learning how to be a lifelong learner, a student, how did that, how did that translate to you? Did that rub off on you?
2: Uh, I think it was before that. I come from a moderately educated family. My mother died at a very young age. I was six. And she was not only baccalaureate prepared, but master's prepared, 1960, for a woman. Wow. My father was a master prepared chemist and a career chemist. Mm -hmm. We, We didn't have Sports Illustrated in our house. I don't know when those came about. But we had Time Magazine, National Geographic, Scientific American. My older brother is now a PhD chemist, now recently retired. For his 16th birthday, he got his own gas line to his basement bench. So we had a curious family that... science. We would go out at a particular time at night and watch the Russian satellite Sputnik come over. And just, so I was born to be curious Mm. and I like learning about minuscule things. I collect, I'm a hobbyist. So I think I like collecting education too. I like learning about things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't think it was Dave, but he was just a step in that.
0: So what are you most proud of as a leader? Let's let's do that topic first. If you had to think about all the things you've been a part of and you've influenced, where do you kind of put, hang your hat, and said, gosh, I'm really glad I got to influence this space?
2: My two kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not born leaders, and they have leadership positions in their own careers as they grow up, but you influence them, you lead them. And, you know, maybe you are expecting to me, say the athletic trainers, that the young student interns that have come with me, my first intern at the New York Jets became the head trainer of the New York Yankees. Uh, One of our interns here became the head trainer of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, And I've had and in turn become the head athletic trainer of the Houston Texans. Houston, it wasn't the Oilers at the time. Mm. Proud of those? No, those are just kind of notches on the wall um, because uh, hopefully they took the good from things they've seen and, and uh, uh, didn't focus on the bad. Um, I can count that real in my life because two of the very influential athletic trainers that were my mentors were alcoholics. One I didn't know for years was, wow. it was wow. I was oblivious to it. Hmm. Four years at college and three of them, I did not know it. I was oblivious to it. Yeah. Maybe because you hold them in such high esteem. Yeah. In a pro career, I had years with it and I was the classic enabler because I'm a doer. Hmm. I keep moving. And um, so I believe that you can learn almost as much from bad people as you can from good people meaning that's bad I'm not going to do that right. and that's good I'm going to I'm
1: going to copy that that's good that's rich pepper i uh, can can we just focus in for a second on your leadership within the packer organization cuz many people know you from that and I, I actually got to cover you for 6 years you and uh, I don't think you were covering
2: me. You probably saw me bending over a hurt athlete, I and you actually, wanted to know. You wanted to know what was wrong. You didn't care who was bending over so the hurt athlete. From at
1: least from '99 to 05, and then I moved to Minneapolis and covered that rival team. You know, the ones with the, the horns. They blow that. the horn. You know, that's but, okay. But uh, I'm back, and I'm not a traitor anymore. But it's okay. Uh, but covering you and watching the regime. You had different leadership regimes. You had. I mean, we were talking earlier, but you, Coach Holmgren. I don't know when you. It, Came here before that. I got here in 99, was here for the Ray Rhodes era, Mike Sherman era, and then left. But you obviously work with Coach Holmgren and McCarthy and, and whatnot. Just maybe talk about how you served as a leader leading up in these, as you give the intel and in dealing with all different personalities, to someone who has to work with different leaders, maybe a job change. How Can you correlate some of your experiences there and just working with them and, in, and how a person in the business world can relate to you in that regard?
2: I think when you're young, prior to me getting here, that leaders to you are an earned title. Someone says they're the, the principal of school, they're a leader. The head coach, they're a leader. I think the older you get, you become discriminatory in who you're going to give your attention to as leaders. That's good. Mm-hmm. And by the time... I had been in the league 16 years, I think I had earned that right to discriminate players and coaches that were worthy of being called a leader. Um, And we'll skip the New York Jets. I mean, by the time I got to Green Bay, uh, the Ron Wolf connection was that from the Jets to coming to Green Bay. But Mike Holmgren, just in his physical presence, earned leadership Mm -hmm. he looked it he walked it he talked it and I will digress to tell you that uh, likewise the top of the heap was Bob Harlan the president and he exuded charisma Uh, he walked into a room and lit it up and Mike Holmgren could too but he was more of a physical presence but Mike had it I talked about it he he just had it he could be angry, and you knew he was trying to direct you. Um, he could hug you, and you know he was serious. And um, he had a great family, and I came to know it was a faith-based family. Um, I I will remember the first time that I went toe-to-toe with him. And for me being 5'10", and him being 6'12", you know, a big man, to be funny, is it was early on, and a player was injured on the practice field, and I had his arm over my shoulder, turned his ankle or something, and I was gonna just walk him right in to our indoor facility and look at his ankle, and not do it on the field and make a spectacle, and I chose the shortest line between two points, the shortest distance, straight line, right in, right in front of the air quotes press and media. Holmgren followed me in, and his his face was going to explode. What are you doing? Blah blah blah. You're in front of you, taking a player, and and I stood toe to toe with him. I said, "This was the best thing for the player. I'm going to get him in here." And whatever was said, mm-hmm. and I said, "I'm either going to lose my head, and I didn't know what the other option was." And he kind of shook his head and walked away, and. That's not usually my style, to be confrontational to a big man. But I think that started to root our relationship.
1: And it was the cement. That conflict uh, led you Early, that?
2: early, early on mm-hmm. to stand, I was in charge of my turf, and he had a lot more turf he was in charge of. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I've been with a bunch of coaches and a bunch of assistant coaches, but it's funny that you mentioned the mics. And I would say that, Two of the mics are my favorite in my entire 42 years Mike Holmgren and Mike McCarthy in different ways, but the mics. So,
0: yeah, let's talk a little bit about, uh, and I don't think you have to mention a name, but uh, I'm not looking for that. But I'm talking about where have you seen leadership go wrong? And let's just focus really probably in your own journey. Is there a, mis- a leadership mistake you can point to that you might have learned from, but you just go, gosh, I wish I could have a do-over on that one? For me
2: or someone I looked at?
0: Uh, either. I, I'd like it to be uh, you. I mean, not that I want to <laughs> air you out your dirty laundry, but...
2: Uh, I'd have to think, you know, because if you make enough mistakes, they all kind of run together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the thing is to be introspective and look to see when you've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I can be quick with the tongue, and I think I've made some mistakes with that. Yeah, um, the old adage of count to ten before you react. In me, it's probably better to go to bed and wake up tomorrow and act. Yeah. So I can uh, uh, those mistakes, but there's not not one that that just absolutely jumps out. Uh, given a little bit of prep, I could probably go back. But you know, one of the great things that God has blessed us with is we forget pain and we remember good things. Mm. Cause if we remembered pain, we'd never touch anything hot again in our life. But mm. I, um, I think so things that you've screwed up and you got in trouble for, you kind of forget about them. Right. You remember the good things, you know, the things that you're, you know, the attaboys and accolades and on and on. But I'm sure I've screwed up and there's probably a top 10,
1: but, uh, It's just not, they're not jumping
2: at me. Yeah, yeah.
1: What, can can we go back to, I'm going to just go back to that conflict, but the way you navigated that, like if a person is in that, these defining moments, you had a defining moment with Mike Holmgren. That defining moment probably set a trajectory for you. What do you say to someone watching right now, who in that moment has to make a decision? They're a leader. They're leading up in their organization, whatever it is they're doing. They're in that moment where they're standing toe to toe with a Mike Holmgren. You knew your why in that moment, and that was bigger than the fear. Can you walk me into that and how well, you can walk yeah, them out the,
2: of that? The point is, is that what is what is their backbone made of? Is it are they going to guess what their action is? did I reach into their pocket and rub a rabbit's foot? I had a spiritual basis. I didn't say, okay, I'm a Christian. He's a Christian. He's not going to kill me. And I, no, I wasn't thinking that. Right. I just said, I'm going to be honest, and I am really not a conflict guy. I, I do not do well. If I had to fire somebody, I'm, I'm not real good at that. But at that moment, Call it spiritual. I had a reason to act and react the way I did, and uh, That's so good. I didn't say, "Okay, I went to this conference, and the first thing you do is look them in the eye. The second thing you do is keep your shoulders square, and the <laughs> third thing you do is pray." <laughs> no, I mean, right. I, I didn't. You know, I didn't. It was out of who you were. I just, yeah. and I think it's <laughs> the people that I had learned from and acted and reacted about because. I didn't review a set of steps, as I just said, and I, and I really didn't know how it was going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, I could have been, see me in the office after this. You're done. That would have ended bad that day.
0: Yeah, I wonder, too, if there's, I mean, and we're all talking about this, if the 16 years, the faith journey, all that create this foundation where you could be integrated authentically with yourself. I know this is like heavy uh, maybe for some listeners but it really is there becomes a confidence where i'm agreeing with you pepper that you're not really trying to oh wait i need to do this 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 it's not a list anymore it becomes a natural progression of who you are yep. and you were just confident realizing okay this may really tick this person off but you know what i'm gonna honestly engage where i'm at and who i'm at which is so healthy um you've seen uh, I think you you told us you saw a lot of bad examples of leadership. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I think the football re- arena is interesting, but are there some players over the years that have impacted you, maybe not because of what they said to you, but how they walked their journey in the NFL? Because I would say, and we've talked about this, Pepper, the NFL – could be a really destructive place for a lot of people because it just feeds egos it's about money it's about popularity and fame and we watch a lot of these players just do head dives because it's the most dangerous thing we can get but you watched also players navigate that really well i'd love Mm -hmm. just to hear a little bit of who you thought that was and why
2: well you know uh
0: and you're not picking favorites, I don't but. I
2: don't I don't want to go spiritual on you, but the guys that I was the closest to in an intimate way were fellows that came to chapel and or a step beyond that, we mm-hmm. were in Bible study together. Awesome. So I got to know some guys on different levels about their struggles, yeah, because professional athletes are athletes, not professional athletes, are bulletproof. Just ask them. They'll never get hurt. It'll never end. They're the best, and on and on. But when you have people that show a certain vulnerability, um, that draws me in too. Mm, love that. Because th- they, they may have a suit of armor on, but they've got a heart underneath of it. And to me, when I think about the athletes that I've admired and don't, you know, we could, th- the famous ones you would know. And of course, everybody it's, could be a Packer fan, would talk about Reggie White. But to me, one of the great characteristics I love about somebody is passion. Mm. I love them to be passionate. I don't care if you're uh, building that wall behind you or or running the microphones. If you're passionate about it, you tend to exude that. And, you know, to step right into it with the Green Bay Packers, a passionate player was Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. He just loved to play football. Yeah. And it's a great joke with him is every time he threw the ball, somebody was gonna catch it. Yeah. Half the time it was the other team, and we laughed about it. Well, a couple of times we didn't. But just passion. And there's players on with the New York Jets and with with Green Bay and players on other teams. I was so fortunate to cover, I think, seven Pro Bowls. And wow. being at Pro Bowls, you're with the best of the best. And you realize that wow, I never met this guy, and you you meet, you know, a, a, a Peyton Manning or a Tony Romo or even you know Chris Carter, you know, ooh, the Minnesota Vikings, and you realize that these are family men. They wear a different color jersey, mm-hmm. but they they may walk the same aisle you do, even if they don't. But they're yeah. they're just you realize they're passionate, successful. And I'm like anybody else. These, some of these superstars, I like to be around too. Right. The guys I worked with every day were just guys I worked with every day. Yeah.
0: It's interesting how he's tapping into connection really needed vulnerability, like a space where it was through the faith, uh, you know, stream, but it was connecting on where am I weak? Where am I very real and honest about who I am? I'm a family man. I'm I'm broken and that that's your connection. So what a Well, the leaders, cool I think
2: about some of these these coaches, the Mike's. Mm-hmm. They would show vulnerability yeah. about their family, about what they were hurting about, that's good. what they needed. And that attracted me. Some people might say, "Oh, sissy," or you know, but right. no, the, the vulnerability, honesty, empathy, family man. You know, that it's it's said that trust is not like a bank account. Where in a bank account you've got a balance and you take out ten dollars here, you take out ten dollars here and your balance is still good. When you have trust and someone takes out 10%, ten percent, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, that bank account kinda disappears. Yeah. It it's not a it's not a withdrawal little and still keep it. Right. And that's, to me, with leadership, too, is that you You don't blow a couple things here or there. If you make a major faux pas, that whole respect to leadership could go out the door.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, go ahead, Troy. No, you go.
1: So you were talking about the hallmarks of leader, and I, I just want to switch into the inspirational aspect of leadership. And I want to bring in this, and then, Troy, I'm going to make a shameless plug for The greatest game that I ever witnessed in my life. And it ties into this inspirational leadership question for you, Pepper. But um, watching Brett Favre, you mentioned him. Uh, The greatest, most inspirational moment Hmm. in my media career. I've covered Super Bowl Thirty with the Cowboys. You were out at Oakland, huh? I I was in Oakland. And I've got a picture that I, I pulled up. Uh, Troy, there's, there's Brett Favre there on the field after the game. I'm going to try to bring this up here. I don't know if they can see that or not, but it's right there. Yeah, a there's bit. a guy with hair right behind him on the field getting an interview, and there's Deanna and Brett right there. December, I think it was 22nd or 23rd. No, were you at that game? I was at that game, covered it for Channel 2. Okay, and, so tell your story. But Harper's I have a question. Gonna respond, there, and then I'm going to tell mine. There's a faith i'm going with i've never pepper seen a moment i and i covered super bowls i've covered pga stuff i've done all that i have never seen inspiration when we were at channel two it was over the weekend we got word when we were out west and you were you were there um when when irv Favre passed away i mean we were all on on high alert and the question was was brett gonna play and uh, that was the question, and obviously he did. And, and and in my opinion, that was the greatest football quarterback performance I've ever seen in person or on TV in my life. I don't know what was said in that locker room. I don't know you were there, but I, mean, I don't know. But hmm. to me, that was the moment of leadership where nobody on that field did. They were they were not going to make a mistake that day. And even the black hole, the Raiders started to cheer for Brett Favre. To me, that was the most transformational leadership moment I've ever seen, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on inspirational leadership.
2: Well you take me back a little bit? I mean, um, I, I won't be emotional about it, but I received one of those first phone calls, and I was in that little inner working group of the equipment guys, the athletic trainers, the traveling secretary, blah, 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 and I had been out with my college roommate returning to the Oakland Hotel, and... My phone rang, and a gentleman asked, where's Brett? I said, uh, I think he's out golfing with Peterson and Bidwell, yeah. and, and I know they don't have their phones with him. I said, what's up? He said, Irv just died. I was just in the car like, oh, we will, uh, you know, terrible. I won't see Brett for 10 days. I'll, I won't see him again go back to the hotel, we have a chapel at night, and all there's a little tie there we'll talk about in a minute. But um, I remember going in the team meeting, and, and the hotel was sullen, as you might expect. We all knew Irv. It was in the day when people could come into the training room and locker room after a game, and Irv was a huge personality. Huge character. Huge character. And uh, he was most comfortable, I think, in the athletic training room. In that team meeting that night before the lights were down because Coach was going to show a video and on, and I wouldn't know if Brett was in there or not. But almost like the saloon doors in, in, in the old movies, the back door opened in a shadow walking down the stairs into this small auditorium-style room was Brett. And it was even got quieter then, and... Brett got up to address the team, and he started to talk, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. And he said that Irv would want me to play. And you can understand that coming from an athlete and a father that's a coach. But the one that killed me is when he said, and I want after tomorrow night, you guys will never question whether I had your back or not. Now, wait a second. That's turned around backwards. He should have said, after tomorrow night or for tomorrow night, I'm going to need you guys to have my back. He said, no, you won't doubt that I had your back. And then a few of us from the chapel group went up and sat in Brett's room with him Sat around the edge. You look. You've got two double beds, and you're sitting all over the place, and praying, and laughing, and crying, and on, and like that's one of those moments. I said, yeah. "Why am I here? Why me? Why me?" Yeah. Then the game. I don't remember in the locker room before. Oakland has the lousiest visiting locker room known to
1: man, and press room. I might add. Oh too. my goodness. And parking lot. Oh my goodness. It, it was horrible.
2: Oh my goodness. But we. Um, I don't remember what was said, but. Um, there i don't care what people say there was a spiritual presence on that field yeah. the catches that were made unreal are only circus catches yeah i mean there were people said watch this i'm going to pirouette turn around backwards go get a hot dog come back and catch it over my shoulder right it was craziness Supernatural. it yeah. was craziness and when the oakland fans started cheering and then to see deanna and brett walk out that's when i said i won't see him for a while and yeah. you know, he was going to go. But I'll turn it over to the guy with the main mic to say he well, might have had a little tie to well, that.
0: What was chapel that night, Pepper?
2: Well, the fellow that helped us set up chapel, uh, Joe Urquivic, here from uh, Green Bay Community Church, had called me to say I've got a fellow for chapel in Oakland, and it's, it's a former Marine, and he's from L.A., and I said, L.A.? Easy. That's, that's six hours away. What are you, crazy? You get somebody from the local church. No, no, you're like this guy. A wow. hey, former Marine. I know this guy. And so the former Marine walks in. His name is Troy Murphy. That's so cool. And <laughs> I said to him in so many words, uh, good to meet you, sir. You're walking into a hornet's nest. And he said, what do you mean? I said, our quarterback's father just died. And I don't remember what chap was about, but he handled it. And um, somehow that guy became
0: my Christian mentor. That my very first chapel. I, I
1: just got chills when you were telling that story. This That's my very wild. First chapel. So my wife and wild. I drove
0: up and I met Pepper at the All White Hotel in Oakland. What was that? The Oh, it's a big old cathedral. The Biltmore? Like big old up on a hill. Yeah, and it was very majestic. I was
1: at that hotel. I and, stayed there. Uh, wow.
0: My, I remember what my chapel was. It was the first five chapters of Leviticus. What? Yeah, it was the first five chapters of Leviticus. And I had a whiteboard, if you remember. I drew on the whiteboard how the sacrifices um, are still applicable today. So it was just this. Wow. Anyway, but I did acknowledge, obviously, when Pepper told me that. But I would end up doing a couple more in in California. And so when I moved here, uh, I think I at least passed the test. But I will say we were in the nosebleed section and uh i have other stories for other podcasts about my wife and i f- fearing for our life we were threatened i mean it was amazing but at the end of it by the, it the, everything shifted if you were an oakland fan you were a far fan i mean it was like
1: it was a crazy yeah scene. it was like
0: you just oakland just got killed but they actually enjoyed it
2: they they earned he they they gave their respect because of this crazy, unthinkable success that took place on the field. It yeah. was, uh, I'm sorry to go, it was supernatural to see yeah. that game, and it's just one of those games, whether you're a Packer fan or not, it was craziness, and yeah, I'm not sure I would have brought that up today, but it is one of the things.
0: Well, it's a cool connection, and I know we're going to run out of time here, but I think just to say, uh, man, thanks, Pep. I know he could talk to us all day.
1: I know. It was such – I think that that whole inspirational, transformational thing, I think for so many people, the thing that I got out of it, Pepper, and maybe you can add to this, this man, you witnessed a leader pressing through pain in one of the darkest days of his life, summoning everybody to the cause. And I think that that'll preach in any environment, in any office or organization, There's something transformational that happens when a person walks through pain.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Pepper Burris is still out there. If you want to track him down, maybe we'll put some information out. He still speaks and prepare yourself for multiple slides and unbelievable stories like that. But Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pepper, for joining us, and uh, I'm sure we'll do this again.
1: Thanks, Pepper.
2: My pleasure. Nice facility.
0: All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed Pepper's stories and the leadership lessons he's learned alongside elite athletes and coaches. We hope you were inspired by Pepper's connection of faith and leadership. If this episode was helpful to you, we'd be so grateful if you subscribed or followed us, left us a review, or shared our podcast with someone you think may benefit from it. If you're looking for more leadership content, check out our social media. We post snippets of these episodes, leadership development resources, and more. If there's someone you think would be a great guest for us to talk to, message us on social media or send us an email at leadwisco at gbcc.me. Thanks for listening.